0: This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen and amen. Now we're continuing on a series of messages that's designed... Because we're on our fifth lesson, I think it is our fifth lesson, it is designed to show us the power, the importance, and the purpose of knowledge. It's showing us in these teachings the power, the importance, and the purpose of knowledge. I've been teaching on the importance of having the knowledge of God... In our lives as believers and teaching on it in such a manner to let you know how important it is to have godly knowledge. It's okay to have educational knowledge. It's okay to have uh, political knowledge, I guess, or whatever you want to. It's okay to have all of those types of things. But the main thing that supersedes all knowledge is godly knowledge. Amen. And I've been interchanging the knowledge of God with the Word of God. And I want you to know that the Word of God is important to us. It is powerful to us. And it has a purpose. God's word always has a purpose. Knowledge is, we said, is to understand, is understood, is the understood word of God. Put into action in a beneficial manner. You should have that in your note. It is the understood word of God put into action so that in a beneficial manner. That means that you have to understand it. And that's why we are teaching ministry. We don't want you to go away and not quite understand what God was saying. Point blank, teaching will let you come into an understanding of the word of God. Amen. When we, take what we na- when we take what we know and understand and put it into action in a beneficial ma- a manner, it goes from just being godly knowledge into wisdom. It's not until you take what you know, put it into action, and it is no longer knowledge, now it becomes the wisdom of God. And the wisdom of God is always correct judgment that works on the behalf of the believer. Wisdom is always the correct judgment uh, that works on the behalf of the believer. Now, we've been dealing with several kinds of knowledge we've we've talked about that in the in our sessions of teaching. First of all, we said that there is safety in knowledge. That is what we know, we make sure we are able to teach our children the vision. Safety in that we got we have to teach our children that the safety uh the the teach our children the vision, that's the safety of knowledge. That is what God is doing. Amen. And then the uh, the plan of God, that's how God is doing it how God is doing it. We want to know. God is not hiding anything for us. God is not mysterious anymore. He's showing us plain and he laid it all out in his words so we can see it. Amen. And then we said we have to have the motivation and that's why we do what God is calling us to do. We have to have the plan. We have to understand the vision and we have to have the motivation to get it done. So there is safety in knowledge. And also we're teaching from the fact that there is strength in knowledge. Now, knowledge will strengthen the inner man, knowledge will strengthen the mind and knowledge will strengthen the body the physical man. Knowledge will do that. It will strengthen it. It will strengthen your mind. It will strengthen the way you think. It will strengthen the inner man the real man, the man on the inside, the real you. It will strengthen him. So we must realize that it, what we ha- we must realize is what we know what we know and we've learned that bring it, that's what brings about the power and the importance so knowledge is important it brings about the uh, power and the importance then we left off last week with understanding that there is security in knowledge our security is based on the fact that we have two immutable things that God said in his word and the two immutable Things is that he cannot lie and he cannot change, and he swore it by an oath. And that's the blessed part. And when God is not like us, when he and he couldn't find anybody else to swear by, no one was greater. So he swore by himself that these things would change. So this kills the fact that when a person say they have something going on with God that nobody else knows he will he's not he won't lie and he won't change. Whatever he said in his word. That's it. You don't have a special part in God's life that he changed or he alters the word for you. He cannot lie. Those are the immutable things from God. It's a promise and an oath. And the promise is he cannot change. And we picked that up in the book of Hebrews on last week. The word immutable literally means unchangeable. So we have an immutable God. An immutable word, unchangeable. We serve an unchanging God. Amen. And this unchanging God have left us with promises in His word. He swore by an oath. He swore by an oath. That's important. Don't just run by that. Don't just think of that as something likely. Because when God swears by an oath, He's going to do it. Amen. He will perform it. Amen. We left off also with the fact that there were three things that characterize security. First of all, we said security is characterized by freedom. Freedom from danger, freedom from fear, and also freedom from decay. We talked about that at length last week. In other words, freedom means that we are in a safe place. We are in a safe place. And I love that. When I have the freedom in the things of God and have godly knowledge, I'm in a safe place. Also, we said we have freedom from poverty. You all remember that that 's why in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, as you study it out, God has told us to come together, network our resources in the old and New Testament, because with our resources network together, none will suffer lack, and we will no one will go without we will be connected together, and, and then, when we do that, and the reason why He wants us to network ourselves together is that it helps Him. be able to keep his immutable word to you so you won't be frustrated. I was hearing that this morning with someone's frustration. I'm like, you got to keep your eyes on the immutable God in the midst of circumstances, in the, in the midst of changes, in the midst of, of turmoil. Marriages, you're just going to have things. Marriage takes work. You're going to have it. I don't care how much in love you think you are. It just be married long enough. Things will came, come up, but you have to keep your eyes focused. On the immutable God and what His Word says. Amen. And when you do that, you you will be just fine. Amen. So, we want to make sure that we are networking ourselves together so none are set for lack. And so it will allow God to keep His immutable promises. That's why in John, his prayer is that we be one. He knew what He was doing. Now, we are not free from poverty. Listen, if we're separated... If we try to act on our own, if we're scattered, if we're fragmented, I'm telling you right now, when you do all of those things, it's no way that you're not going to be in poverty. And see, I don't want you, when you when I say poverty, to only center in on money. Because that's what God's people say. Anything, anything that has to do with increase or, anything, or the first thing that runs to the heads of God's people is money. You're talking about poverty, and money. But you could be poverty in your soul, in your spirit, in your marriage, in poverty in so many other ways. You need to look up the definition of poverty so you can understand that it's more. You can be in poverty. You that's rich people that are in poverty. Are you with me? So we are free from poverty when we come together and network ourselves together, network our resources together when God has promised us free, then God has fu- promised us freedom from poverty. We are free from failure. Failure is a permitted response. Always know that because God has already taken care of all of our failures through Jesus Christ. So if you're failing in any area, it is a permitted response. If we do not permit failure to happen, then it can't happen in the life of the believer. If we do not permit it, then it can't happen. In the life, see, we we have brought into this thing that oh well, it might fail. You're, no, if you don't permit it, it can't happen. You're a believer. You got an immutable God that can't lie and can't change. But see, if you don't know your covenant rights, you don't know that you don't have to fail. You think that well, I just have to fail. Amen. Okay, so now, when I say that you're free from poverty, it doesn't mean that everything's going to be easy. There's nowhere in the scripture where it says everything's going to be easy. You live in a world, you live in this natural realm. No, everything is not going to be easy. But what it does mean is that we don't have to give up. We don't have to give up. Because if we don't give up, guess what? Failure cannot come. If we don't give up, failure cannot come. Now, the statement right there ought to give you courage to continue. That if I don't give up, failure can't come. It's when you say, you know what, I just give up, I I just can't. No, no, you're giving way to failure. But if you don't give up, failure cannot come. Amen. And so you have to say, I know if I don't give up, I'll get the victory. You have to tell yourself that in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of the hard times. If I don't give up, the final victory is mine. You have to keep telling yourself that. you got to believe. make yourself believe that. You have to make yourself believe that about your children, about your job, about your finances. So when you get the teachers, I'm not going to give up. It seems like what they're asking me to do is hard. But you know what? I'm going to keep doing it because I will, not let, I will not permit failure. I'm going to have the victory. Amen. Because why? I'm a believer. Amen. I'm not going to give up. I cannot give up. So, and so you have to say it in that way. I don't give up. The final victory is mine. And no one showed a greater act for me of faith is that of, of Job. When you want to look at someone that had the faith that was not giving up, is Job. He said, I'm going to wait on the Lord. He said, I'm going to wait on the Lord. Why? Because he said, my change is going to come. I'm going to wait on the Lord. And see, we are, we're so impatient. We don't want to wait on the Lord. He said, my change is going to come. That's not, and see, when you can say that in the midst of everything going on around you, you're saying th- that I know that God is immutable, unchanging in terms of His promises and His oath. So no matter how it looks, how bleak it looks, how terrible it looks, how hard it is, I serve an immutable God and my change is going to come. I don't care how hard it gets at school. Say the immutable God is right here. I'm staying strong. I'm not giving up. I'm going to win in this area. You have to do it in every area of your life. Why? He's immutable in terms of His oath and his promises. So we also discovered that freedom means freedom from apprehension. You do not need to be apprehensive. I mean, that's the fear of, uh, uh, of some type of torment com, you know, concerning the future. Ooh, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, And I'm kind of getting nervous about it. You don't have to worry. About what's going on and what's going to happen. Because why? We serve an omnipresent God. We serve an omnipresent God. So I don't have to worry about that. Why? Because God is in my tomorrows today. See, God is in our tomorrows today, right now. We're not, but He is. He's already there. And God prepares us today to meet our tomorrow successfully by giving us messages like this. Because there's a tomorrow coming. He already prepares us. So if we would allow ourselves to be led by His Spirit and obey His Word, then He's already in our tomorrows. Amen. God knows exactly what you're what you going to have to go through to get to your tomorrow. So he'll go back, he'll come back from your tomorrow, and then he'll begin to give you instructions today for your tomorrow. So you don't have to worry about, oh, I wonder, you know, I wonder. No, no, no. Your tomorrow can be successful if you can obey the instructions today. Because remember, he knows your tomorrows. You don't. Amen. Now, when he gives you the instructions like he is today, like he did this morning, like he did last week, if you don't listen to those instructions and obey those instructions today, tomorrow will fail. Simply put. Tomorrow is going to fail. Uh, see, if somebody give you instruction, don't do this, don't do that. I don't care how you try. Your tomorrow's gonna fail. Now, 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 I want you to understand this and I'm saying this because, you know, everybody's not on the same When I say tomorrow, I, I'm not talking about Monday. Your tomorrow could be next week, next month. But whatever it is, that's your tomorrow. So if you had instructions one day and you ignored them didn't pray for them, let me tell you, your tomorrow is going to fail. I don't care how you do it. you got to do some repenting, getting things right, and you still might fail in that area because when you sin, it's wrapped up in the sin. Whether you ask for forgiveness or not. David has showed us that. God is not putting anything on you. It's wrapped up in that. So we don't want to fail. Amen. So we must listen to God progressively. We must listen to God progressively. Because God is taking us to a place. I want you all to understand that. I want you all to understand that about coming up with our input. God is taking us to a place. Never complain about what God is doing in your life. Uh, how do, never complain. God has taken you to a place. And remember, you're the one that got all the situations and circumstances. And God is not in a rush. He is taking you to and taking us to a place. The Word of God says in Proverbs 3, Despise not the chastening of the Lord. For whom he loves, he corrects. And not for his benefits. He's in good shape. But our benefits, amen? God is never chastening us for His benefit. It's always for our benefit, even though we don't like it, amen? We are the ones that need correcting. You and I, we are the ones that need correction. We also discovered that we are free from the law of sin and death. We learned in the book of Romans that we cannot, we don't have to let sin reign in our mortal bodies. We can be tempted without yielding. Temptation is not the problem. Yielding is. Because everybody's going to go through temptation. Everybody, me, you, everybody's going to go through. Yielding is something we do. Temptation is going to come to every one of us. Amen. And that's not a believer alive. I don't care how much they love the Lord. I don't care how much they prophesy. Ta-ta-ta. They are going to be have temptation because it comes to all of us. But we must realize that the knowledge of God resides on the inside of us. Let me tell you, temptation came to Jesus. And you think you're going to miss it? The temptation, the, the, yielding is the thing, not the temptation. See, that's the, that's, that's what's wrong with God's people. We get caught up with the temptation. We get guilty or feel, um, apprehension or we feel, uh, like, oh, I failed because I was tempted. No, the temptation is gonna come. You're not gonna avoid that is what you did with the temptation. The yielding is our problem, not the temptation. We can expect the temptation because all of us will, be, will, will go through that. Amen. So we can be tempted, and we, this is one thing that we have to understand. We can be tempted without yielding. You can. You don't have to yield. You have to tell yourself, you know what, yielding is something I do. It's not just automatic. It's something I do. So we must realize that the knowledge of God, God's knowledge on the inside of me that resides in me, that helps and strengthens me to get through the temptation. It helps me not to yield. That's why it has to be on the inside to keep you strong. So see, it's not the temptation. It's the yielding. And, and like I said, Jesus was tempted, but he was tempted without sin. He did not yield. He did not yield. Amen. And see, if you go back and you study that out and you read about the temptations of Jesus, I'm certain when he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, you all remember that when the devil took him up on the mountain and the devil told him, you know, you, you know, you turn these rocks into bread. Let me tell you, that was a good temptation. He hadn't eaten or drank anything for 40 days and 40 nights. That was i te- I'm sure, looking at those rocks and knowing that he could do it. Because he could, because once he spoke it, those rocks would obey it and become bread. Sure, it was temptation. He just didn't yield. It wasn't like he. They said he said that, and he was like, "Oh no, no, no! It's if it, God showed it to us like that to let you know He was forty. Can, you can't even go a week." He went 40 days and 40 nights, and the devil said, turn those rocks into bread. Just the mention of bread to just be like, oh Lord, I want, to, I'm weak, I want that. I'm sure he was tempted, because the Bible said he was tempted like we are. He just didn't yield. And that's because he spent time with God. Amen? Because I'm sure if he wanted to, he could have just spoke to those rotten say, rocks and said, Listen, become some nice, warm biscuits right now. And that sounds good if you haven't eaten in 40 days. And you have the ability to do it. <laughs> oh, the rocks wouldn't have had no choice. They would have turned. Amen. Why? Because the Word would have spoken to the rock. It was the Word. The word would have spoken to the rock. The rocks would have obeyed. But he didn't. You know what? It also means that we have a guarantee. We are guaranteed eternal life. We are guaranteed eternal life. You don't have to worry about that. You know what? Something else we need to start realizing as believers. We are free from the fear of death. God said, deal with that because a lot of people are dealing with the fear of death. And so many believers fear death. Listen, God said, you all are the last people, the last people that ought to fear death. And I said, why is that God? He said, because death is not a punishment for the believer, it's a reward. Death is, not a, pun- death is a punishment for the non-believer. Because they got to do the second death. But he said, you all never have to fear death because it's not a punishment, it is a reward. Amen. The only thing that we should be concerned about is finishing our course. Not about death, because that's a reward for those that die in the Lord. Amen. You don't want to go to heaven without finishing your course. Why? Because you damaged the people's lives that you left behind. But you as a believer, you don't want to ever fear death. Tell yourself, it is a reward, not a punishment. It's a reward to the believer. Death is punishment only to the sinner because they die the second death, not me. We as believers, we don't pass from death to death. We pass from death to life. We pass from death to life. Amen. That's a guarantee. We also have a guarantee of God performing His Word. Do you realize that... I don't know if, if you realize this, but you need to realize this. Do you realize that most of the promises of God has already been fulfilled? <laughs> I didn't say all of them, but most of them have already been fulfilled. Most of God's promises have already been f- fulfilled. There's not, there's not really a whole lot of prophecy left. A lot of it has been, it has been fulfilled. But you got to know God and understand and have a working relationship to understand that, Amen. Because He has done a lot of the things that He already said He was going to do. It they've been done. And as soon as we mature and put Satan under His feet, we can all go home and have a good time. See, we have to understand that you got to grow and develop in that to understand that. We also have a guarantee of our covenant rights and benefits. Now, I want you to hold that in your mind because we're going to deal with that. The covenant rights and benefits. So very important with that. Now, because I'm going to, you know, and I want you to to hold on to the covenant rights and benefits because maybe not at this service, but in the near future and may, whatever, whenever God said it but I'm going to put it out there because I, I'm going to lay hands on the sick listen and, and, and I'm, I'm just going to go straight from what God told me I'm going to lay hands on the sick and everybody that I lay hands on will recover they will be healed God said but make sure you let them know also all of them won't keep it though and not because because you know something will happen it's because you don't understand your covenant rights and benefits, and when you don't understand your covenant rights and benefits, you got a thief ready to take it from you. that's why so many people you can God can heal them and they lose they' be like, well he didn't really heal me. no, if you don't understand your covenant rights and benefits. It could be stolen from you in a minute. God said, now, everybody that I, I allow you to lay hands on, they will be healed. Some won't keep it. Some will, but some won't. And for the simple fact they just don't understand the covenant rights and benefit. Aren't you glad you're here this morning so you can understand your covenant rights and, and benefits so that God can heal you? Amen? So, uh, I'm telling you, we have to understand what God is doing. It's a covenant, rights, and benefits. Don't let the devil steal it from you. If he did, let me tell you. And and know this, that is a guarantee. That God's going to do what he said. But I'm going to guarantee you now, the devil's going to do what he says too. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's coming after it. Amen. So that, I mean, that would be in comfort on you to say, well, I'm going to find everything out about my covenant rights and benefits because whatever God gives me, I want to keep. I'm not letting the devil steal it from me. Amen. Everyone, did you hear me? Everyone—that's a bold statement, uh, uh, Pastor Hill. Well, because it's not my statement. Everyone will be healed, no exceptions. And you know why I can confidently say? It? Because God never tells me to do something and I'm going to fail. He don't give me something to do to fail. And I'm not a failure. God's gift is not a failure, ever. God's word is not a failure, ever. But again, everybody won't hold on to it because everybody, listen, won't walk out of here and walk in the knowledge of God. And when you don't walk in the knowledge of God, you give place to the enemy. He's banking on you, not walking in the knowledge of God. Now, the Bible plainly tells us, neither give place to the devil. That's not just a cliche. Yeah, but I'm neither, play, give, you know, we like to just say it, but you've got to neither give place to the devil. That means what? I need to know my covenant rights and I'm acting on them. I'm going to help you this, this morning. And let me tell you, when, when you don't give place to the devil, he can't come back in and attack you, and attack you in another area. He can't do it; he just can't. You haven't given any him, him any place to, amen. So we have a covenant right and benefit. Our covenant right and benefits to be healed. That's a covenant right. See, some people don't even know that healing is a covenant right. You have a right to it. The word of God says in the book of Psalm, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not some of his benefits. No, all. All. Every one of them. All of his. And who forgives our iniquities. Oh, that's, I mean, that that just makes you just love him more. So therefore, when you come to the altar... To get hands laid on you expecting to receive. I come believing God has forgiven me of all of my iniquities. See, if you don't, you come up here with guilt. And you come up here with, I don't know if I'm worthy to get. See, all of those, that's because you don't understand your benefit rights. That's why Paul said, forgetting those things that are behind. Reach forward to those things that are before you. We have to go now. You know, right now I go to the high calling of God through Christ Jesus. Forget those things that are behind us. A lot of times people are seeking things from God and they're standing up before God. You know, I want this from God. But you're standing up before God with guilt in your mind. And you don't understand why you don't receive because you don't understand your covenant. You can't. Well, how do you believe? How can see you don't really believe that he's forgiven you of your iniquities? Why are you standing up here guilty? Oh God, oh, oh, I just hate. I did, but it's a benefit, right? He said, "I will forgive you of your iniquities. Get the guilt out of your mind. Listen." I know, and, and you know, we think we're being humble, but you're being ignorant of of the knowledge of of His word. Okay, God, thank you, God, and you know, oh, oh, oh you know, I know I wouldn't even be here, God, if I wouldn't have did this. Uh, uh-uh. that's guilt. God's like, excuse me. Do you know I'm unchangeable? Do you know the immutable? I'm not a God that I would lie or change. Forgetting those things that are behind. You know what? You can remember where you come from, but forget those things that you've done. Did you hear me? You can remember where you come from, but forget the things that you have done. Now listen to me closely. Ask yourself that you keep remembering what you've done. What can you do about it? What can you do about what you have done? Who can go back and change their yesterdays? What they did yesterday. Who can go back and change that? And God knew that when He sent Jesus. He knew you couldn't. He knew when He sent Jesus to correct your yesterdays. Why? So you can enjoy your days and be strengthened for your tomorrows. He knew that when he sent Jesus. Understand this. There is nothing you can do about what you've done in the past. Nothing you can do about it. Now, there's a lot you can learn from it, but it's nothing you can do about it. You can learn, not, and, and this is what you can learn from it: not to do it again. That's what you learn from it: not to do it again. You know why you, and, and you know why you have to just forgive yourself and forgive people. Forgiveness will keep you sick. Forgiveness will keep you sick. That's why the Bible says, when you stand praying, forgive, so that your heavenly Father will forgive you. Listen, if you do not forgive those who trespass against you, your heavenly Father will not. He swore by an oath. Forgive you yours. He's not going to change. You know what they did, God. That's just impossible for me. God said, if you don't, I I won't alter the word. We'll see that in the scriptures too. You don't forgive, He won't forgive you. Why? Because you trespassed against Him. So how come you can't forgive somebody to trespass? He forgave you. He told us, He said, and so now you don't want to forgive. You want to be angry. You want to be, oh, well, I don't know. Uh-uh, uh-uh, no, 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 no. I'm telling you this. You're going to need this in the near future. You're going to need it for somebody in your family. And God wants to hear from you, but you got unforgiveness in your heart. Let it go. So if you're going to stand up here and you're going to get hands laid on you, you you know, God is saying, and you're going to ask me to do something for you. Because, well, because you're going to come asking him to do something for you. You know, and he said, but you won't do for others what you're asking me to do for you. Father, just forgive me and heal me. Father, I just forgive, but you won't forgive. God is saying, "I won't do it." Just that, just point blank. Send my word. I just won't do it. He said, "He will not forgive you." God will just forgive everybody. No, no, He won't forgive you if you don't forgive. I like what the Bible. You know what? We, we take it, go over to Mark 11. You know, we take that little scripture for granted because we think we know it so much. I like what the Bible says in level. You, you know, people always, this is just the way they read Mark eleven twenty four. They just read it just like that. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and ye shall have them. Hallelujah, hallelujah, God is good. He is faithful. It says it right there. He is good. He said, just believe that you're, all I gotta do, my part is to believe that I receive. They always stop as if nothing else is said. You can't do that. This is the way you lose out on your covenant rights and benefits. You can't stop right there. You need to be reading that whole, that whole scripture. But we want to stop right there. But you must continue in 25. And when you stand praying, forgive, if you have ought against some people, any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. Now look, that's, that's, that's just too simple. So you cannot bring unforgiveness up to the altar and try to get hands laid on you. And think you're gonna receive. And oh for oh for God's sake, let's don't forget verse 26. But if you do not forgive, neither will your father which is in heaven forgive you your trespasses. So when you come to the altar, see it's a narrow way, it's a narrow gate. And when you come to the altar, the the you know. You, it's, the healing is on the other side of that. You gotta come up there. You gotta leave all of that behind you. I'm going to the straight and narrow gate. And I must go through. Healing is on the other side, but I gotta get through. But most people, even at the altar, oh, it look good with them, everybody lining up and getting their hands laid on them. Most of them don't even get past the narrow gate to the healing. Then it just becomes a ritual, it doesn't come a benefit right. Because you got to put everything that you can't bring none of that to the altar. I'm not going to even tell you leave unforgiveness in the seat, because if so, you can't go back to that seat. you got to let it go, because I'm going to the altar, and I'm going through a narrow gate, because my healing is on the other side. And I don't think any, any, anyone is worth you staying sick in your body because you don't want to forgive. But something as simple as just saying, you know what, I forgive you. But if, if for one reason you don't understand what forgiveness is. Uh, hey, I'm preparing you to be healed. I'm preparing you for what God said is yours. I'm preparing you for your covenant rights and benefits. It's on the other side. Now warning. Warning because see this is, uh, again, I'm trying to make sure you to have clarity. There's a big difference between forgiveness and trust. There's a big difference. And see most people, they get it confused right there. There's a big difference between forgiveness and trust. Forgiving a person doesn't mean you have to trust them. Are you with me? See, God forgave us, but He still didn't trust us. That's why He gave us the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm not trusting y'all with that. Let me give y'all the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, because I don't trust you. I've forgiven you, but I don't trust you with your own life. You get yourself back into trust. i got to give you the Holy Ghost. God didn't trust God, listen, forgiveness, you can forgive somebody without trusting them. Are you with me? That's why He put His Spirit in us. He didn't trust us, and I don't blame God. I mean, look at ourselves. How many of you, don't show don't give me a show of hands, how many of you have trouble with trusting yourself right now? Don't raise your hand. I mean, I, I'm talking about trust yourself when nobody's around. See, everybody can trust themselves when these people are all around. I'm talking about trusting yourself when nobody's around but you. Don't raise your hand. So I didn't say go back and trust the person. I said forgive them. And there's a difference. Hold nothing in your heart against them. Hold nothing in your heart against that person. But I didn't say trust them. Some people say, oh, God. See, this is a person that lack understanding. Oh, God, I have to forgive them. Oh, now, you know, I have to loan them some more money. Because you're already mad at them because they didn't pay you back from the money they owed you. I got to owe, I got to owe. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say when you forgave them that you had to give them more money because you already upset with them because they didn't pay you back. Forgive them for the money that they wouldn't pay you, but just don't give them any more. Did you hear me? You can forgive them for that, and then just don't give them anymore. Now it doesn't matter if they think, "Well, see, you're not giving me anymore. You ain't loaning me anymore. You ain't doing." And this, this is just this is just one one example. I mean, this, this is in this is a wide range of areas. But and, and well, I, how you said you forgive me, and now you don't want love. Well, I, I, because I forgive you, don't mean I trust you. You didn't pay me back the last time. I ain't even got to say that. All I, got, all I know in my heart is I don't have to give you any more and I don't have to. And I can still love you and I forgave you. Are you with me? Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefit. Who forgives all thine iniquities and heal all of our diseases. And then that's a guaranteed benefit. And we have the immutable promises from a God that cannot lie and cannot change. An immutable promise. Are you with me? From a God that cannot lie, that cannot change. Run over to Psalms 103. Run over to Psalms 103. I'm, trying to, I'm setting you up for something. In Psalms one hundred three, let's read verse beginning at verse four. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. Glory to God forever. He won't leave you in a hopeless state. That's a promise. See, I love God. He, he, said, he said, No, I've redeemed your life from destruction. I'm crowned you with loving kindness and to the mercy. I'm satisfying thy mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Are you following me? Okay, new information. To be free also means, this is, why, this is where we start in our new information, all those things we we talked about. Write it down. To be free means to have a bond. B-O-N-D. Write this down. A bond is that which obligates the issuer to the receiver. A bond is that which obligates the issuer to the receiver or a benefactor to the beneficiary or the benefactor to the beneficiary now just in common language if you go buy a government bond the government issues you a bond i matter of fact i found a bond that i had from got my children i forgot i think it was like in 89 i found it in my packing and you know it, it's like i had a 50 dollar savings bond or whatever but the government is the issuer of that bond now keep your mind on what we're saying uh, that that freedom is it means To have a bond. Are you with me? To have a bond. So in in just natural thinking, when you you get a government bond, and the, the issuer is the government, that bond, they are obligated to redeem that bond. Listen. For whatever is promised to you on that bond, if it's promised to you on that bond that in maturity it's worth this amount or that amount upon maturity and it tells you what you need to do or not do to get to maturity, get X amount of dollars. If you obey that, then the bonds, the that binds them to you. It's, that's why it's called a bond. They They're bound to it. If you follow what they said, how the the maturity, how long it's going to take, what you can't do, how you can't bring it in early, what it gives you the instruction. When you follow that, they are bound to you. (laughs) And this is the same thing that bonds us to the Lord. And that's what security means, and that's what being secure means to have that bond. Mm. The benefactor to the beneficiary. Same thing with life insurance policy, exact same thing. The benefactor chooses the beneficiary. The bond means that upon my death, so and so is the beneficiary. And then the beneficiary will get whatever that's in my covenant's will, my covenant, in the covenant's right and will that I put in it. See, I want you to just relate this to a bond with God. It's because this is what God did for us. This is what He did. The benefactor put the covenant rights in His will. And then Jesus died. Everything was in the will. He shared his blood. And in the book of uh, Corinthians it said that this is the covenant of the New Testament. This is the will and testament of the New Testament, which is in my blood, given to you. It's a bond. Benefactor to the beneficiary. Are you with me? That's a bond between God and man. Everybody say it's a good bond. Covenant rights in every will and testament that is in this Bible. Because this Bible is a covenant right. It's a will. But you got to obey what's in the will to get anything out of it. Just like you would do in an insurance policy, in a bond, a natural bond. You have to obey the instructions. La- and, and this Bible is the last will in Testament that God gave to Jesus, signed by His own blood. It is a will. Therefore, we need to find out what's in the will and we need to act appropriately to get what's in the will. And in every will, in every Testament or will, there are things that the, benefic- that the beneficiary must adhere to. I don't know if some of you have a will. I do. You should have a will. And the person that is left to, they have instructions. For example, you might leave, let's say, an insurance policy, which is a bond. And in your will, you said, okay, I'm leaving this to my daughter. At eighteen. She can get this amount, and then when she finishes college, she can get this amount. Now she at eighteen she can come in and she can get whatever they left at eighteen. But now if she don't finish college, that's nothing boy. you can't get it. It's there, but you can't get it because the stipulations and the criteria for you to get it was to finish college. I mean, you can put whatever you want in there. You can put in your will, you know, this amount can go to my sons if they stay married to this wife. You can put whatever you want in the will. And they must adhere to it in order for it to be valid, in order for them to get it. I have an insurance policy that I started on my grandchildren when they were born. And... And in and in that in that will it's it's basically you know they they can cash in on it and, and and already put in it. I'm like, first of all, they can only borrow against it once they're in their second year of college in for a, a vehicle, but they have to have gone to college at least two years because you get a little more mature than that. Never as a freshman, and they must be have be serious about college. Can't be planned because see you have somebody looking over it you got to always have somebody looking over your will that's making sure that it it is oh just was that you you can't get it so now that means if they don't go to college and they don't get it, that money cannot go to them no matter what I don't want to go to college well that's fine but that 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 knows important that part of the will because that's the way it's set up I said, now, and after they get through it, if, they, if they're doing everything they're saying, and then they can get the rest of it when they graduate. Now, that's that's done. And then, in, and then I got other clauses. If none of that's gone, then it goes, all of it goes to another place. Because why? It's a will. It's to the beneficiary from the benefactor, and they can put whatever they want in there hmm amen so so whatever stipulations you want to put in your will you can put it and then let them know you put it in there they don't meet the requirements or the dictates of the will they don't get it period amen so uh, that, that, it, it, this is the same thing this is the will Everything that he has in him, you're not adhering to it. No wonder God's people are not getting what they, what, 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 you know, they just want to read it and just want to get. But did you meet the criteria? Did you meet the dictates in order to get all the things that you say? Because he swore by an oath and a promise. When I lay it out, this is the way it goes. And, you know, like you always have someone looking over the wheel where the Holy Spirit is the one watching over this thing. He's like, nope, nope, you're not, mm-mm. He's looking over this thing very carefully. He's, what is he watching to see if you're carrying out what is written in the wheel? That's why the knowledge of God is so very important. It was legally carried out in the natural realm by the blood of Jesus. As a matter of fact, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. God is so good. I hope you all are understanding this. I want to drive this home because if you look at this as this, you could live and do any kind of way and get all the benefits of the... You, you're going to miss it. I don't care how much you love the Lord. I don't care how much you love his word and, and and all of those things. I don't care about any of that. You have to obey the will. You got to obey the will. Are you with me? You, you, you it, it, Whatever instructions that's in the will. I want you to see that this is legal. This is a legal will carried out by Jesus. Okay, are we in, um, where am I? The main thing I want you to see, I want you to see, if you're in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, rest there for a minute. I want you to see in the Bible, it's true sense. See, not just something you heard, I want you to see it. One thing that we need to understand about Jesus, and one thing you need to understand about God, they don't violate spiritual laws or natural laws. Jesus didn't violate natural laws or, or spiritual laws. Whatever we have to do, He did it. Listen, whatever we have to do, he did it. And this things have to be done in blood. His was done in blood. Eventually I have to do some, I, I'm going to do some teaching on the blood covenant. Some, the blood covenant. So you can understand the realness of this thing. I want you to, see, I want us to look at it like we've always looked at it. I want us to look at the realness of it. The Bible church is real. It's real. And God willed this to you and he willed this to me. It's a will. This is your will. So if it's your will, you look in it and you find out what has been willed to you. And then you have to look at all of the dictations of that will. I have to do as I was saying. Whatever I find in it, I got to do. Why? Because I want to get what's willed to me. So if I find out in the will that God said don't fornicate, and you fornicate, how do you think you're going to get that right and benefit? God say you tell you to obey your parents in the Lord because this is good. Long life, how do you think you're going to get that benefit right? See, we just read in that, right? Well, God is going to do it. This is a will. It has stipulations that you must abide by. Everybody say it's real. It's real. So we have to understand that you have God, again, with two immutable things. He cannot lie and He cannot change. Now, I'm going to show you the difference between me and God as it pertains to a will. If my children act up, I can go and change my will. He don't. He's immutable. I never told you I was immutable. And my children better understand. You act up, I can change it. And I will change it. That's the difference. But God... Is immutable. He said, mine can't change. Mine won't change. It is what it is. I can change my will up to my last dying day with my last breath. I can change it. Are you with me? There's no immutable promises in my will. And I promise you it's not in yours either. We hold the right, those of us that have wills and those that are leaving things or or whatever, you hold the right to change whatever you want to. That's your right. Did you hear me? So whatever they see there now, they have to, they gotta act right. They gotta act right on this side of the will. You have seen people where they change their will and they'll leave it to a they they leave it to some big corporation other than you because you acted a fool and it wasn't immutable. They can change it. How's it you know what it makes you love God more <laughs> and say, God, thank God you're immutable. Because guess what? Most of the most of us have missed God. For this very reason, we're not complying to the will. But we want all the benefits out of the will. Won't happen. Won't, cause he won't change. And it's sealed in the blood. Jesus have died. So that, this testament is in full action. It's activated. Are you with me? So whatever they see now, again, you better, you better, you better be on your p's and q's. And you don't know, hey, your, your parents or whoever had the will might live to be 150. You like, God, I gotta stay good until, yeah, well, just stay good all the way just let them live long life. And you be like, ooh, I need to be good because they'll flip me out that will. Like, well, you sure a will? No worries. And so you 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 parents, you need to make sure you start telling your children. You know what I have is not immutable. They start just 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 put them in remembrance every now and then. And say you know, but what about oh, you, just so you know, because you know some people they you know you 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 know we got all of this you know entitlement. I know you gonna leave me something. No, you don't know that. You don't know that. Well, I know they putting something away and I know they got this and I know they got But are you in the will? Hey, don't get mad at don't get mad at Church of the Living Water if you fooled around and, and got outside the will and they wielded to Church of the Living Water. Out of church stole it. No, they took you out the will and put us in. Said, no, I want the word to keep going forth. They acting a fool and everything. I'll put it there and pray that they come back. You ain't got Don't be mad. You better be right, because it's not immutable. Parents ought to just go home and they see their children start look at them, look at them sideways, start smiling, and just tell them, "Remember, remember immutability." I don't have it. God does. Uh, that, I, I'm telling you, this is set. All of this has to do with your healing and everything else. And see, I just got to say this, and excuse me if I have some of my, you know, Caucasian brothers and sisters, but especially people of color, you know, we, we, just, do, we just do anything with, with 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 inheritance and everything, just leave it to foolishness, just blow it away. We're believers. We know God said, follow my lead. God's not your game. Hey, God's not, God said, you acting a fool? You don't get anything in this will. That's why most of God's people are lacking in His promises. Because they're trying to get out of the wheel without following the dictates of the wheel. No good. Did you hear me? No good. And the beauty of this whole thing is... How many of you have ever... Some of you might have a timeshare. Or you've heard about a timeshare. Now one thing that's good about this and you know... Uh, just examining it uh, the average ch- uh, timeshare you, did you know you can will it to your children you can will it to your children you can uh, let's put it this way uh, you can put clauses in it where you can pass it on to your children just a natural ilus- illustration well it's the same thing with the word of God listen we can pass it on to our children Oh, that's good. And guess what? Just as binding as this will is to us, when you pass it on to your children, he's just as binding to them. That's why I said it doesn't matter whether you're here on the earth or not. He's bound, he, he, he will he'll do with your children exactly what he said he was going to do with you because you passed it on. Now that's good news. That's why we teach our children. We're passing it on. So even if I don't get to see it because I'm passing it on, God will be just as good to you as he was to me. Hmm, That's a good place to run around. So God is just bound to do all that he said in his word. He chose this, you know what, and, and I like this about him. He said, choose life. He said, I set before you life and death. Occur. He said, but choose life. Why? That you and your seed may live. Why? Because you're going to pass it on. Choose life and pass it on. So you and the ones you're passing it on to will live. That's the good news. I'm trying to prepare you for something this morning. You know, a lot of times people hear teachings like this, or they, they hear this and they be like, oh, and oh, Pastor was so anointed. Like, listen, listen, it is not about me. Who it's about and who's doing this stuff? It's about God. It ain't about nothing or she's so anointed. Because let me tell you, I go the same way. Stop looking at me. Look at him. He's the one who laid it all out. I'm just a messenger. I'm just a vehicle. I'm just somebody that he said, tell him, and I said, and I obeyed. That's all. He does it all. I can do nothing. Amen. Look for where this stuff is coming from right here in his word. Amen. And so, you, and you can be the same type. Just uh, Father, I just say yes. You tell me to say it, I'll say it. Amen. And see, and I just happen to be the pastor, but it could be another pastor, it could be whoever. But the main matter that you must understand, it doesn't matter who it is, you must understand your covenant rights and benefits. You have to understand that. Are you in first Corinthians chapter I mean chapter eleven? Look at verse twenty three. Now I saw something in here and it just blew me away, and I wanted to blow you away too. Look at verse uh, 23 in chapter 11. It says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. Now stop right there. It said the same night that he was betrayed. That blew me away. The same night... Now that's love. That's love. That's not not there, just slipped in. That's for a reason. The same night that he was betrayed. (laughs) Look at what he did. I'm telling you. You know he wants you to come to the altar clean. If, if if he said the same night that he was betrayed, he took the bread. <laughs> now see, for me, I, let me just say this: If I was Jesus, everybody say thank God she's not. It would read this way: the same night that she was betrayed. She wiped out all those people that would that 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 and started over with some new people. All the people see, that's what it would have read if it was me. Cause this was the same night that he was betrayed. The same night he was betrayed, he took the bread. See, you know, the same night that something happened to you, you hot and heavy, you mad. How you do something like that? Uh uh-uh. uh. No, I I'll be like, kill them all. Those thug heathens didn't want nothing. I'll start over and get me some new ones. But he took bread in the same night. See that blew me away. I said, God, I just loved you the more because how in the same night? I mean, I mean, what? What he feeling betrayed? Because you know he could have wiped them out in a word. It would have read that way. And the same night that Alva Hill was betrayed, she wiped out every believer it was and started over with a new. And then we said, these are the new people of Alva Hill. But no, not for him. What a good God. Under, now that's under pressure for me. You betray me. And on that same night, hmm, Somebody ought to say, thank God that, you, that Pastor Hill is not Jesus. Somebody ought to just be thanking God now. You would have been wiped out. This is awesome. Let, 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 let's read on from 23. That the Lord, the uh, B of 23, that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Why? Why? Why did he break his body for us so yours could be mended? He said, I've got my body broken so that yours could be mended. On the same night he was betrayed. Not three weeks over after he cooled down. But the same night, when everybody, everybody was leaving him, everybody was doing everything to him. Every time, I mean, when the disciples, I mean, when Judas was, was doing all of getting him all wrapped up. The same night, woof. he said, whenever you take this cup, you take it in remembrance. Remembrance of what, God? Remembrance of your covenant rights and benefits. Every time you take it, remember your covenant rights and benefits. The relationship that we have together. I want you to remember. On the same night he said this, that he was betrayed. He said, on the same night he said, remember, remember who I am to you. Hmm. Do you know that's the only time that the Lord ever said, Remember Him in the scripture? Verse 25 says, And after the same manner also he took the cup. And when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as you do drink it in remembrance of me now why do you think he took the cup he knew what he was doing oh my god he knew what he was doing why do you think he was in such agony when he was in the garden of gethsemane praying see i can you can see it all you can see it all listen the word that we see over in isaiah 53 and psalm 22 talking about the terrible death that he would was going to die see he knew exactly what was going to happen to him he knew it oh my goodness what kind of love is this but he knew this was the reason he came into the world he's getting ready to finish his course and I like it says, and he took the cup on the same night that he was. See, that's what got me. That's the, you know, that's what's for me. That's got it for me. On the same night he was betrayed. You know somebody betray us, baby. We are thinking about what we can do to get back at him for that, from that night. And that night, you that day or whenever they did, you, the, you at the worst person you could be. What? I know darn better. We do... He said, do it in remembrance of me. I call it impeccable timing and just unconditional love. Just unconditional love. What kind of love is this? I can understand why the angels are all confused. What kind of love is this? For me, it makes me love Him more. Oh, God. I love 25. Let me read it again. After this manner, the same manner also, he took the cup. And when he had supped, saying, this is the cup in my New Testament. In this blood, this do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Mm -hmm. You know, in studying this out and looking over everything, I I am convinced of this one thing. And we're going to put it into practice in this church always. Because I don't ever want just communion to become a ritual. And when people are not taught about their covenant rights and business, that's what it becomes. It becomes a ritual. That's all it is. I believe that every time we need to make it a part of every time that we go to the sick, We need to sit down with them with 1 Corinthians 11. And I know that we've done this, you know, in time past, but we're going to do it every time. We go to anyone's six. We sit down there with 1 Corinthians 11 and tell them why you're giving them the communion. Because you're getting revelation today. We need to teach the importance of remembering and not just make it a ritual. Not just make it a ritual. But make it a part of... Of what we do. Who we are and what we do. We make it a part. It's just normal. Anybody. Every time. We sit down with them. Not just have communion. We begin to teach on it. Because it's a covenant right that's within the communion. We need to know when we go to minister to the sick. We need to sit down. First Corinthians. Sit down with them. And say, that this is the reality of that scripture. In remembrance, God wants you to be in remembrance of his covenant rights and benefits. This is how we minister to him. Listen and learn. This is what you are remembering. Your covenant rights and benefits. Remember that his body was broken so you can get yours out of that bed. See, that's how we minister to them. With After teaching them what this means when it says, on the same, Do this as often as you do it. As often as you come with the sick, sit down with them with 1 Corinthians 11 and explain to them that when I say, remember me, not just my death, burial, and resurrection, but remembering that they have covenant rights and benefits. That's what you need to remember in the cup. You need to remember his immutable promises. He cannot lie. And he cannot change. And he sealed it with the oath. And it's in his blood. And this is a blood covenant. And then you tell them you have a covenant right. You have a covenant right to get up out of that bed. And then you have to ask them the question, and I asked Sister Kelly, Brother Harris, Brother Valentine, Sister John, Sister Bailey, all all of us, Sister Lee, I mean Brother Franklin. You, you, uh, let me tell you, I'm asking, and these, and these just just people. I mean, just just people that God has personally spoke to my heart about. Just just in prayer time for them, for them, just diff- different ones. Sister Etheridge. All of those. I want, you, I want you to grab a hold of this. When you sit down and minister to them, this is what you ask them. Because you're telling them about that covenant rights. You say, have you finished your course? Have you finished your course? If you're going to somebody and they're ill in the, and, and, and they say, well, you know, they, they, they have so many hours. you go and ask them, have you finished your course? If they say, no, I haven't, I feel like God still has something else for me to do. And then you say, well, this blood is for you. Because it's your covenant rights and benefits. This is when you take the communion. See, this blood is for you. Then it's for you. And then if you speak to someone else and you say, now, if you feel like you finished your course, somebody say, I feel like I finished your course, my course then you tell them, well, then you have a right to go home. Loved ones want to keep you here. See, that's the beauty of it. When I was with Sister Allen and I could see what was going on in her life and I could see it right there. Let me tell you, her covenant right was to go home. Family members want to stay here. But see, her covenant that was a covenant right. If I finish my course, and if they said, oh, yes, I've done all, God said, well, you know what? It's your covenant right to go home. See, that's a reward. It's not a punishment. And let me tell you how you go home. You don't ever have to go home in pain. If you finish your course, then you tell them, you know what? Fine, you finish your course. So why don't we just let God heal you so you can go on home? See, most of the time people think if a person died that God didn't heal them. God will heal them and then say, let's go. You finish your course. Say, "Oh, so you you finish your course? Okay, so let's let God heal you so you can go on home like Moses did. Ah, Eyes not dim. Let's just get on out of here. You're done. Stella knew she had finished her course. I believe that's why Pastor Hill left when I was there. He had finished his course. He's like, oh, i will start all. He know all about the armadillo. And he's like, you know, when you finish your course, then you have a right. That's a covenant right. You don't have to, uh-uh. Family members want to prolong it. But they finished their course. And see, we think in our head, finishing a course goes by your age. Well if that's the part if that's if that's the case then Jesus died at thirty three you can finish your course ooh, it just makes me love him the more see you can you know what let him talk about it with God say when well, you finish your course well you know what? You have a right to go home. Let you see. Let me let me get out the way so you can talk to God. Cause see, you might want to talk to God. And say, well, you know what, God? You know what I'll. I, you know what, God? I know I'm ready. I will finish my course. You check your course out and say, let me see, have I finished everything that God has told me to do? That's what you have to tell yourself and be like Paul in Second Corinthians. You know, say, you know what? You know what? I think I. God, can I run up to third heaven and check it out up there, and just see what's going on up there? See you, see nobody knows. See they, you just laying in the bed. You just talk to God. See this is a supernatural inter. This is a this, this is something between you and God. You finish your call. Can I just go check things out up there? You can go up there and if He allows it, and you go up there like Paul did, not look around and come back. You can't say nothing that you've seen. Can't even talk about it. And say, okay, God, yeah, that was nice. Yeah, I'm ready to go. I- I'm ready to go. I'm just going to lay on back. And I know the pe- my peoples out there, they want me on machines and all that, but I'm going to lay on back because I have a covenant right. And you know how I knew, knew this about Sister Alan? Because I was right there. And when that machine was taken off of her, if she breathed, if she took five breaths, I don't know it. She was like, "Hallelujah!" And she looked up with the amazement of what she saw. And I, God, let me witness it all. And the amazement in her face was the glory of God. Her rights. And I said, she was like, I ain't staying 20 minutes. I ain't staying 30 minutes. I ain't staying. Well, I don't know where you've been, sister, but it was like, boom, bam. I'm what a wonder to behold. And I said, oh my God. From that point on, my life has never been the same. Just to witness the strength, that was a covenant right. So I'm finished here. We just have to give revelation. And when I saw the amazement in her eyes to look up, and I mean, it was like, I don't, y'all standing around the bed, don't mean, I'm looking at the glory of God. And I said, what an amazement. But see, when you get this teaching, it becomes reality. It's like, yes, yes, it's a covenant right, it's a reward. It's a reward. She's like, what I've seen, I can't talk about. I'm just ready to go. It's like she, and you all knew how fast Sister, sister Alan would walk around here. You know, she always moved fast. That's just the way she did when they took that machine up. She moved fast. I said, she was like, no time to lose, just glory. I said, covenant rights and benefits right there. What an amazement. A reward. Not a punishment. And then you know what, just put the icing on the cake. Say then, God, before I go, I just want you to make sure you, I just want to make sure you're gonna say, Well done, my servant. My good and faithful servant. That's all I want to know, and I'm ready. And I believe he said that to her. I could see it on her face. She didn't have to speak. It spoke for her. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Let's go away. Third heaven, here we come. I told her her pastor would be waiting on her there, and I'm sure he was. I don't know if she saw him at, at that time. I said, he's waiting too, with all the rest of them right there at the gate and said, this, this is what we have worked for all the time we was on earth. So, there's no fear in death. No fear in death. Something else we need to understand. Old old age and sickness and disease does not necessarily go together. See, we need to understand that. Old age, sickness and disease don't go together. You don't have to be sick just because you're old. You're just old. That's it. don't have to be sick. Like, okay, well, what they going to do? You know, well, well, they had heart failure. Well, yeah, when you leave your body, your heart's going to fail. It's going to fail to beat. You have a covenant right. You're just old. You don't have to be sick and diseased. You just can't do some of the things you used to do, but you're not sick. Amen. But you have a right to go home. And one day, and I want everyone, every member of this church, as teaching goes forth in the years to come and even now, to get the revelation of this. And and the understanding of this. What I'm trying to do is get you to actualize this thing in your heart. This is real. This is not a plaything. This is not something made up. This is real. See what? See some people are waiting for people to die to get things that they have, things that's perishing. But this is real. This is real. And this is what you call a bond. That's what you call a bond. And that's a freedom. Go to Psalms 138. Psalms 138. Run over there. What a good God! Isn't He a perfect God? I will praise thee, one thirty eighth, verse 1. I will praise thee with my whole heart, before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. Now I'm going to tell you that's just awesome. I'll say it again. I will praise thee with my whole heart, before the gods will I sing praises unto thee. God's word obligates him to us. and when he said gods he's talking about idols heathens I'm going to praise you among the heathens in other words they'll be standing in the lottery line and I'll pass right by and i and and be singing he has done great things for me I'll stand in the back of the line while they pay out lotto tickets and say God is a good God he has done great things I'll sing praises before the gods. Ah, Now, I like that. I'm going to sing them. It doesn't matter. Look at verse 2. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Mm -hmm. Above all thy name. Tell tell your neighbor, you know what you need, knowledge of your covenant. When you're at home, tell the person that's in the room with you, you need knowledge of the covenant. You need knowledge. Go over to Psalms 89, a few pages over. Psalms 89. Mm, mm, mm. You know this is why, why it's so important to know to have the knowledge of God. Do you know there are billions of dollars in the bank that belong to, to people and they've been looking for them for years but they, they could be people that are homeless, people that are penniless, but they're in the bank but they don't know the wheel. They don't know that it's there and they can't have it. I mean billions of dollars. Some people... Probably down there on uh, uh, downtown, steeping in the tent, maybe a millionaire. But if you don't know the covenant and if you don't know it was in the will, if you don't know it's in the bank, you can't have it. And if you don't know and if it's in the bank, if you're not following the rules you can't get it. <clears throat> mm-hmm. if you don't know about the will it's so important to know the knowledge. The same way it is with the Word of God. There are people out here suffering and dying. And the only reason is the lack of their covenant rights and ability. The lack of knowledge about the will. You you know, if it's time to go home, but get healed and then go. Now see, some of us, listen... We, you know, some of us, we know about the will, but we haven't read it. See, you've heard people talk about it. You know about it, but you haven't read it. Some of us have read it, know about it, but won't obey it. You get the same results. Not doing what it says you need to do. And so, either one, you don't have the covenant rights. I read it, I know, it. yeah. But are you obeying it? Because it's a will. Watch what the Lord says, Psalms eighty-nine, verse thirty-four. Are you there? He said, "My covenant will I not break, nor alter the things that is gone out of my lips." Did you did you hear that right there? That's powerful. He said, "Not only will I not change, I won't even alter it. I won't just uh, no. I won't. I won't alter it. I won't change it. You know, we used to altering things with the words, and we. and And that's really called a lie." You know something can can you could you could say something that's that's true and you can alter it in such a manner that it's really a lie. I'm, for example, you know, they said, "Did you do that?" And you'd be like, "Do what?" That's called a lie, because you already know what they're talking about. See, that's altering. He said, "I won't alter it. I won't change it." Mm-hmm. Oh. See, because when you, when you uh, what, I don't, uh, no, no, deep down in your heart you already know the truth. You're altering, that's a lie. Verse 35, once I have sworn by my holiness that I will not lie unto David. His seed shall endure forever and his throne as the sun before me. Why is he calling David's name? Because he said out of the house of David will come the Lord Jesus Christ. I like that. Verse 35 again. Once I have sworn by my holiness that I will not lie unto David, his seed shall endure forever. Who is that seed? Jesus and his throne as the sun before me. What a good God. Now, l- listen. His seed shall endure. How long? Forever. How long? Forever. And we're joint heirs with him. We're joint heirs with Christ Jesus. And I like when God said he won't even alter his word. Mm. So I don't care what you're telling me that God's told me and God, we got something going. No, he's not altering his word for you. And he's not altering his word. That means that whatever we were supposed to do concerning his word, he won't alter that. you got to do what he says in order to obtain that which is in the will. He's not going to say, well, I understand your situation. I know, I know. Now you, you used to live, y'all lived together, but, you know, and now you got saved. And, and I understand you got to stay there a little bit because you got to get financial. No, he's not altering it. He's like, get out. <laughs> Find somewhere else to go. No, there ain't no, well, you, I got to stay with him because, you know, we gotta, I got I to gotta save. He's not altering the will. Oh, uh, He's not altering the will. Well, you know what they did to me. And so, you know, God, you know, it's going to be really hard for me. God's not going to say, well, yeah, I really do know what they did. And that was horrible. So, yeah, we can kind of ease up. Nope, not altering the will. You got to (sighs) forgive. So, he won't. He's already said it. We must abide by it. And you know what, thank you, Lord. You know, there are several women in ministry, and maybe you out there that's listening. you've been molested, and you've and, and you've been trying your best to get to shake this thing and you know, but in the back of your mind, you know it's difficult trying to forgive that person that molested you, but I want you to know this listen because you know because uh, let me tell you that thing alters your life, that kind of stuff alters your life. I get it. And so does God. He knows that. But God has a word for you this morning. God is saying, "Listen, you can forget the past." <sighs> I don't hear that so many times. Wait, you can forget the past. Listen to me. When I say forget the past, it I, it may not ever go from your memory. That's not what I'm talking about. It may not ever go from your memory but it can go from to a point in your life that it no longer dictates the course of your life. See, that's forgetting it. It can get to a point where, no, you might it always be a memory because it happened to you, but it will, God in the will will give you such a healing that it will no longer dictate the course of your life. Don't let ever let anyone or anything dictate the course of your life. What's done is done. And then you have to go to Philippians and do what Paul says. I'm going to forget those things that are behind. I'm reaching forward, I'm moving forward to the things that are before me. Again, God wants you to forgive, not trust. God wants you to forgive, not trust. Now, something else God is ministering to me about some of you are saying, I forgive, so. But but they won't forgive me. Well, that's not any of your business. It doesn't matter if they don't forgive you. God, God put no stipulation on them, them receiving your forgiveness. God just told you to forgive. If they never speak to you again, that's on, that's between them and God. Don't handle on you You free. They didn't accept my apology. Well, as you need to say, well, I'm right with you, God. And I'm going on. And you move forward. If they don't speak to you again, keep it going. Amen? You can't do anything about a person that won't receive your forgiveness. They have a will. They have a will. But your will is to move forward, no matter what. So, okay, there's safety and knowledge, strength and knowledge, security and knowledge. And the fourth one, there is sufficiency. Sufficiency. In knowledge, There is sufficiency in knowledge. Go with me to Proverbs chapter 3. There is sufficiency in knowledge. Proverbs chapter 3. So if God has given us the immutable promise, the immutable oath, then we must know that there is sufficiency for everything in the word of God for us and God to carry it out. It's sufficiency right there. Are you in chapter 3? Proverbs chapter 3 beginning at verse 1. It says, My son, now again this is gender neutral, forget not my laws, but let thine heart keep my commandment. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee, bind them about thy neck, Write them upon the tables of thine heart. Now that's good. We, if there's going to be sufficiency for every word of God in us. He said, do this why? He said, and he's telling you why you have to have to do this in verse 2. Because when you do this, here it is in the here, will. Here it is in the will. When, when, I, when, I, when I forget... Uh, not the laws of God and keep His commandment. this is this is in the will length of days and long life and peace shall be added to thee there it is right there He's telling you this is what's going to happen here's the promise so the knowledge of God and keeping these commandments will add to you long life and peace let's look at verse 3 again let not mercy and truth forsake the Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the tables of thine heart. This is how we relate to others. We must be considerate and merciful to others. Did you hear me? We must be considerate and merciful to others. And forgiveness is the ultimate mercy. Forgiveness is the ultimate mercy. If you do that, now what is, what, what is a great, great promise? Watch this. He said, now if you do that, look at verse 4. So shall thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in yet thine own eyes. Fear the Lord, and depart from evil. These are instructions... In the wheel, follow the instructions. Well, how is God gonna heal me? Be not wise in your own eyes. Well, when is God? Uh, be not wise in your own eyes. Depart from evil. You mean I have to give up Jimmy? Yeah, give up Jimmy. And I'm not talking about you, Jimmy Turner. But you got to give up. I don't care if it's Butch, whoever. I I, had to give up. Yeah, you got to give them up. Whatever is against the will of God, stop. That's why you're not getting any of the covenant rights and benefits. Stop. Just stop. You don't need to be delivered. That's the hard way. You don't need to be delivered. You have a will. And because you have a will, that means you can stop. Because you have a will. Just stop. If you do that, look what it says. Look at verse 8. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Now that is a promise. That navel... You know that's the that's the biblical cord that the that the cord that's that with the baby that, that gets nourishment from the host. That means that I, am you know, with my navel and well, you know, relating that to the biblical, I'm connected to the source, God. He said it'll be help to that; it'll keep you connected to me. Mm-hmm. You, you're going to get your nourishments from the. Naval that's where the children get their, their nourishment from the biblical card. That's, that's where it is. That's the source. That word also means medicine. Coming right into you. Into the marrow. And we know what the marrow is. That's the major component of the blood that manufactures through the marrow of the bones. And the Bible says that the life is in the blood in Leviticus. The life is in the blood. It's all manufactured through the marrow. He, this is a covenant right. And see, we see people that love the Lord, and they die in different ways. And it's not that, not that they don't love the Lord, not that they're not going to heaven. They just don't understand their covenant rights and benefits. But we're learning them. We're going to get them. I expect the next generation to have this down. To have this down deep on the inside. Look at verse 9. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruit of all thine increase. See, you honor God when you tithe. You're not giving him money. God doesn't need your money. You honor him. So when you don't, you dishonor him. Period. Oh, here you go. Period. That's all it is. You dishonor him. I don't care how much you talk about God. I don't care how much you say you love God. I don't care what you say you go to church. You honor God with your substance. Look at verse ten. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wines. Now listen, don't just think money. That's a part of it. That that let me you, that's a small part of it. He's gonna burst forth. You're gonna be in air and so many areas. Let me tell you I'd much rather know that my children are having a successful life and successful marriage and and, and going on than money. I want it to burst forth upon my children. This covenant tells you what you need to do to execute that right. He's telling us what we need to do. All you have to do is do them. Listen with the right purpose of heart. It tells us right here what to do with these things. They, they they come upon you and they'll overtake you. They'll come upon you and overtake you. Now you want to be overtaken on those things. I want all the marrow in the bone. I want I want I, I want all. I, have you all ever seen that commercial years ago where they had H E B had it and they had all the little children saying the different thing they want. They had that laughter boy that said, "I want all I can get." That's what I want. All I, can, I want all I can get out of the covenant. God said, well, you can have it all if you obey all of the stipulations in it. Because it's a will, and it's a, the will is being executed and watched over by the Holy Spirit. Now, let me give you definitions of sufficiency before we close. Sufficiency means that I am content due to having enough. Don't just think money sufficiency means i am content due to having enough i'm content because i have enough i'm content because you have enough you have to be you have to understand now to have enough this is what you have to understand you have to understand at what point of godly satisfaction you are see that's what that, that that's it right there you got to understand what point of godly satisfaction am i am, am i at where where am I at on that so you can establish a godly point of satisfaction see it's easy to be established a, to establish a a point of uh a godly satisfaction by simply saying i want to live a productive life i want to raise the productivity of those around me. I want to leave a deposit in the earth for the next generation. See, that shows you to what... See, it's, it, it goes beyond just thinking about money. Get a job for that. So there's somewhere down along the line you have to live outside of yourself in order to establish a godly satisfaction. you got to live outside of yourself. I must be. I must, must be involved in the life of others. Have to be. I'm content because I have enough. When I have enough, what? I can put it in the life of others. Sufficiency also means to meet the need. Write it just like that. Sufficiency means to be able to meet the need. Notice I didn't say meet your need. To meet the need. Because the need may be greater than you. As it is in my family, when my needs are met, it's not over. Why? Because there's others in my immediate family that need. See, we can't just think about ourselves. So sufficiency, go, for me, it goes beyond a house payment, a car note, rent. Like, see, it goes well. But so, for some people, that's where their sufficiency is. They could just pay that. But see, you have to get beyond that. My sufficiency is beyond that. Because see, if God just met my need because of the productivity in my life, uh, too many people would suffer. If He just met only my need and I'm just right there just for my need. Because there's a lot of people that's dependent upon what God is doing through me. See, I understand that. So I have sufficiency for those around me. This church, for instance, if God just met my personal needs, a whole lot of people would suffer. The whole, the people in here you would suffer. It has to go beyond just meeting my needs. got to be able to meet the need. What need? <laughs> the need of productivity in my life. I need productivity in my life. See, it, it's so far beyond money. I want to get money off the brain. The needs that before you. The needs that God has made you responsible for. And see, that's when life becomes fun at that point, at that level, where you have enough. Well, you're sufficient. Sufficiency also means to have an abundance. Sufficiency means to have an abundance. Listen, an abundance is an overflow. Did you hear me? Sufficiency means to have an abundance. An abundance is an overflow. Like David said, my cup runneth over. I believe that David probably drank from the saucer. He didn't need the cup. It was enough of the overflow to take care of him. Understood some things. God gave him a cup because he had a plan for him. God has given me a cup because he has a plan for this ministry. And he gave David that big cup because he said, the seed is coming from you. I believe in my heart that the reason why God gave Solomon so much is because he didn't ask anything for himself. Everything that he asked for was for others. And I believe that God said, you know what? Because you didn't ask for anything for yourself, I'm going to give you more. I'm going to make you richer than anybody before you or ever to come after you. You will be the richest that ever walked the planet. Why? Because I know if you didn't ask nothing for yourself, you're going to use this for the nation of Israel. And he did. He's the only king that there was not war in there for forty years. People were scared of Solomon's mind. They didn't. They were like he would come up with. They were scared of the man's mind. And hmm. that's good news. When they when they scared of your mind, <laughs> I like that. We want people to fear our minds, what we know about God, and what God has blessed us with. The revelation of His Word. Last one, sufficiency means to have enough and to spare. It means to have enough and to spare. Hmm. Let me give you an example of that. Let's just say you were going with your children and you wanted to go a, t- uh, a, a cross-country trip. And you, you, you're getting ready and all of you getting in the car. How many of you say that you were sufficient if you had gas in your car, you had money in your pocket, and no spare tie? Well, no, you're not sufficient. See, uh, sufficiency means I have four on the road and i got a spare in the tank. Because you have money and stuff, but you, you flat somewhere. Because, you know, you can go on cross-country trips or whatever, and there's no houses for miles. There's nothing but you know, sand or desert. And you don't have a spare? Sufficiency is having spare, having something. Having enough to be on the ground, but a spare... That's sufficiency. Are you with me? Sufficiency means to suffer no lack. Sufficiency also means that you have enough to meet. Listen, your projected need. Mm. Sufficiency means I have enough to meet my projected needs. Mm. What's coming in the future? See, now that's somebody discipline. My projected needs. And that's why God wants to build in this church an infrastructure. Because the infrastructure is never just for the present needs. It's not just for the present needs. It's for the projected needs. That is, and that is that which is to come. Did you hear what I said? It's, not, it's never just for the present. It's for that which is to come. So listen to me, there's safety in knowledge, there's strength in knowledge, there's security in knowledge, and there's sufficiency in knowledge. And you know enough knowledge from this morning, for what I've told you this morning, for every sick person to be healed. Because I know I'm going to go in this wheel and find out everything that I do. And let me tell you, when you go in the wheel and you're going to find out everything that you've been doing and the reason why you haven't access. I believe what God said. And I believe this teaching was for a purpose. I want you to grab it. Twilight, I want you to grab it. Brother Franklin, grab it. Sister Etheridge, grab it. Sister Lee, grab it. Everybody, get grab it! All of all Church of the Living Water, grab this now, right where you are, and say, God, I want to, I want everything that's in here. I want everything in your will, and I, and I know. I know just about what I learned today, that in order for me to access what's in the will, I must go by every stipulation that you have put, everything that you have said in your words so that I can get it. So if I need healing, I need to go and find out what he said I need to be healed. What do I need to be doing? Well, he said, for one thing, if you want healing, you've got to forgive. Uh, you don't have to try to think so back. Oh, let me see if there's anybody I make. Oh, you don't even have to do that. You already know if you're not forgiving. And and you might be a number of people. All you got to do is listen to how you talk. And it will show whether you're forgiven. Hear yourself. It's easy to say, I'm sorry. There has to be action with that. God is faithful. He's indeed a good God. He is showing forth His strength in our lives. He's showing forth that we can arise to this place and this time in our life that we can be a people that can operate in His promises. That we understand His will and testament. We understand that there's guidelines and rules that I must follow to it and adhere to in order to get everything out of it. Because the will is active. The benefactor has died, Jesus. The will is open, and it's yours. And it's no sense in us being believers and not accessing the will. Lift your hands toward heaven. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website livingwateraustin.net Austin next. <laughs>